Hello and welcome to Arrow in the Knee podcast, your Elder Scrolls theme podcast. We talk about Skyrim, Oblivion, Elder Scrolls Online and all things Elder Scrolls. And today we have a lot of different topics to talk about. We're going to talk about my time in Skyrim as always. We're going to talk about Elder Scrolls Online and how it is to play it as a solo player. As well as Elder Scrolls 6 and what the most recent Bethesda games tell us about the future of Elder Scrolls franchise. So all this and more, and first of all, I want to talk about Elder Scrolls Online. So if you don't know, Elder Scrolls Online is the Elder Scrolls MMO. I really enjoy it. It is the on only multiplayer Elder Scrolls games out there, and it is a great fun to play with friends. However, none of my friends play Elder Scrolls Online. As such, I played alone. It is, after all, more of an Elder Scrolls game than an MMO, and I always thought that. There's a lot of cool stories, there's a lot of cool atmosphere and lore in this game, and maybe it doesn't play 100% like Skyrim or Oblivion, but it is very close. It is definitely more Skyrim um, sequel than MMO, in my opinion. However, there are certain things about this that are very MMO, and especially in times like Halloween, they have events, which really show me that this game is not always best solo. So if you don't know, every MMO, every life service likes to do events where you can get unique items um, based on certain holidays. Now we have Halloween and Elder Scrolls Online has um, a special shop designed for the Halloween event where you have to earn certain kind of special currency to buy those specific items. And it's, there's a whole quest line, uh, there is like a witch which you have to help um, like brew potions and defeat certain like evil spirits to earn the specific money. And I was playing through that, um, that whole quest line and it was very good. I did enjoy the vibe, I enjoyed overall how it, um, you know, the missions, there was like specific enemies. But quickly I run into this... MMO thing where you had to actually beat dungeons and those many dungeons that are scattered around Tamriel to be able to earn enough currency or special items to progress the quest, which as a solo player is a little difficult. The big dungeons like in Cyrodiil are extremely hard on your own. The enemies are very difficult and you can do it on your own but you need a lot of items you need to be quite high leveled and you really need to know which power use when. And honestly, I am not super in-depth player. I play it more just to experience Tamriel, um, just to experience the lore of Elder Scrolls. I don't play it necessarily to max out my character, so the big dungeons were just something I couldn't do for this quest. So I went for the small dungeons. I went for the... they're, they're scattered everywhere. Um, I don't remember what the name for them is, but it gives you like a little icon of a torch. And I went to them, I got the items, it was all good. And I got in this special, um, only available in this event, a whistle that boosts your stats or something like that. It was cool. But then came a quest. quest that uh, made you go into this portal and fight with this very difficult enemy. And... Overall, fighting very tough enemies is not the worst thing in Elder Scrolls Online, 
because of the multiplayer elements, there are people running around and especially like those mini dungeons, for example, I was able to team up with some people just like just running through the dungeons themselves. I didn't have to like add them or anything. I just basically followed them and we helped each other. However, the specific enemy that you have to beat to be able to progress this quest is in this kind of a separate realm where you just can't meet other players. You have to already be teamed up. And that's what, what there was a big stumbling block for me because I just really couldn't I couldn't really meet anyone. I don't have any friends who play this game and I was adding people but they already were in grips because everybody knew that this quest required this. So everybody was already in grips. So I just had to abandon the quest. Yes, I could find people online on Twitter, you know, there's a lot of forums where I could find people to um, to team up with, but I'm not really into that, so I just decided to not do this event, and that's probably going to be, be me with events in Elder Scrolls Online, which is a little bit of a shame, but hopefully in the future I'll get a group of friends that likes to play this, but we'll need to see. As such, yeah, I'm not really doing this quest. I decided to even also abandon the Thief Guild's quest, so Thief Guild quest was quite good overall it's it's a different way to play this game because you sneak around I know it's shocking for a thief guild but it is very fun because in Elder Scrolls Online in most cases you just power through but in those quests it often even asks you you know you have to to complete this quest you have to be undetected and stuff like that and I found it to be very cool it also you know, it elongated some of the quests because if you want to be very sneaky in Elder Scrolls Online, it is a little bit different than in normal Elder Scrolls games. That's where you can see the MMO elements, where you have to like, it's it, the enemies don't react normally like they would in Skyrim. They kind of aggro the same way like in normal MMOs. They have different area of sight and stuff like that when they can uh, can see you and can when they cannot and. So it doesn't work as well as sneaking in Skyrim, but I find it fun. I find it uh, as a, something very different to do, and it was definitely something worth um, spending some time on. However, my kind of problem with Elder Scrolls Online uh, Thief Guild quest is that it is in an area that I don't really like. So I don't remember what the name of the map is, um, but it is basically um, a more deserty place it's not like in Hammerfell where I do like Hammerfell quite a lot but this specific city I don't know there's something about the surrounding areas the um, you know the mobs that you just come across whenever you go to different meeting uh, different uh, quests spots um, that you meet are just not ones that I really like there's a lot of lions and stuff like that it's just not the vibe that I'm looking for in in Skyrim or Skyrim in Elder Scrolls I do like more the fantasy things, not necessarily as bleak as Skyrim, but I don't know, there's just something in this uh, this place that I just don't like. But, oh well, that's what happens sometimes. Um, so I just decided to follow the main quest, which is, you know, the, the very main quest that was from the beginning of, of Elder Scrolls Online with the Prophet and all. Um, I haven't really got done much about this yet, um, but I'm, I'm gonna slowly play through this, but yeah.
I still think Elder Scrolls Online is a great game if you play it solo, but, but I think you do need to be aware that there are certain limitations if you don't play with friends. But you know what, I, I don't necessarily think it's a, the worst thing ever because, again, there's so much content in this game. Now they're adding all of the uh, all of the DLCs after a while as well. You know, all of the expansions um, do get added into the main game after a while. So it's going to take me a long time to play for all of this. I didn't have even purchased the the newest expansion just because um, I just have too many too much content already to play in this game. So the High Isle DLC will wait for me, and probably by the time I get to the High Isle DLC quest. I will probably have to buy another three different expansions, so <laughs> it's gonna be a while. But yeah, I do definitely recommend this game. Usually at this point, we talk about Oblivion, and I would talk about Oblivion, but I just didn't play it. Uh, I had different games to play, Persona 5 came out, so I just didn't have time for Oblivion as well. But I will go back to it soon. I want to just sit down and play it properly. I think once I get bored of Skyrim, which again takes a long time for me, but once I get bored of uh, just, you know, trying different play styles and stuff like that, like I play Skyrim a lot, a lot, uh, I will probably switch to Oblivion. But that's gonna be a while. And um, I might, after a while, just feel like playing Oblivion instead of Elder Scrolls Online as well. That might happen, but at the moment, I am not playing it. But yeah, do let me know if you have played Oblivion recently, and do let me know, especially after last episode, have you found any other things, other than what I mentioned in last episode, that Oblivion does better than Skyrim? I'm really curious. But now it is a time for the topic of the day, which is talking about Elder Scrolls 6 and what Bethesda's most recent games tell us about Elder Scrolls 6. So Elder Scrolls 6 is probably one of my most anticipated games ever because I love Skyrim, I love Oblivion, I love overall the Elder Scrolls universe and Skyrim has aged perfectly. Like it's a, one of those games that is timeless. Like the, the mechanics, everything, the story, gameplay, the visuals even aged very well so you can still play it now. However, you're always curious what will be next, and you always imagine bigger and better things. And honestly, I do have much more hope in Elder Scrolls 6 than I had a few years back, and I will explain why. You see, Bethesda games are all very similar. To be fair, they're the same games, just with different themes, and slightly different mechanics that fit this theme. So, whenever you see a Fallout game, you know, Elder Scrolls game will be very similar to it. That, that's why I think I enjoy the games as well, because I love the Elder Scrolls form formula, and have it in different themes, it's a brilliant idea. I think more companies should do this, just do the same kind of style, just with different themes, because it works so well. And recently, I have been playing Fallout 4, and Fallout 4, I'm gonna be honest, it's one of those games that make me very or used to make me very worried about Elder Scrolls 6, and I'll explain why in a moment. See, Fallout 4 is a game that strafes off the this kind of path, or this kind of formula for, El for overall Bethesda games. It tried to be a bit more story-driven, and they replace 
Then mute character with one with a voice, which I think was a horrible idea. And also, instead of actually knowing what you would say, you can only kind of choose if your remark will be angry, sarcastic, or, I know, pleasant. And it just takes away something from your kind of control over the story and over the game. You see, with Fallout 4, you were not really creating the stories, you just played the story that Bethesda has designed here. Which again is fine for some games, but that is not why you play things like Skyrim. So, the re reason why I play Skyrim is the role-playing mixed with the story. So, you are allowed to just role-play a character that you like. You can make up any story you like. I want to be a thief that uh, is like evil and you can play it that way, you know? The mechanics are designed in a way that you can tackle the missions you know, in the way you want to roleplay this character. The whole story is designed in a way in your responses that you can't always cater to your idea of roleplaying certain characters. So that's what the Elder Scrolls appeal is, especially to me. And Fallout 4 took away that by forcing certain responses on you, by not giving you clear indication of what your character will say, and adding a voice to it, you know? Whenever it's voiceless character, you can add your own voice, your own kind of twist to the words. But when there's an actor behind the character, unfortunately, you can't, it takes away something, that imagination, that, you know, that headcanon from you. And I really didn't like that in Fallout 4. However, the game that everyone hates, Fallout 76, has fixed a lot of that. And that's why I'm saying that I'm not no longer as worried about Elder Scrolls 6 as I used to be, because Fallout 76 has taken away some of those things that I really dislike about Fallout 4. It added the normal dialogue system, it removed the voice from the character, and kind of gave you a bit more freedom. I do understand that Fallout 76 was an online game, and was kind of like an MMO in a way. That's kind of how they try to present it. As such, they had to add this certain freedom because that's what those kind of games are like. However, I thought it was a good sign. And again, Starfield, the upcoming game from Bethesda, which hasn't come out yet, so we don't know 100%, but they have already confirmed, you know, the, the dialogue system is kind of is coming back in this traditional style. Uh, there will be more dialogue options. They said there's like over 200,000 dialogue uh, lines <laughs> recorded, which is crazy. And it does seem that there will be a multiple different options for for you to have conversation with the characters. There's different ways to change uh, to to quests uh, based on your responses to the characters. It's so interesting that they went this way, but I love it. They really are kind of going back with Starfield and trying to focus on that kind of freedom. Not only freedom in just going to go anywhere you want, but also freedom to design the story the way you like it. And there's lots of signs of that in Starfield. Like they told us about traits now making comeback. So you no longer just choose um, the race and then just 
just base it all on skills and just your head cannon. You actually can choose how your character reacts to things or you can have extra dialogue options or certain buffs and debuffs based on the traits. So there can be an introvert, they can be a capitalist. There's like so many different things you can choose, which I think will add so much to role playing. I love when games allows you to add that. And what's brilliant about uh, Starfield, again, from what they're saying, is that you can actually remove all of those traits, if you like, or replace them by doing certain quests, which is also a brilliant idea. So, for example, if you go an introvert, uh, or make your character an introvert, and you want them to open up in the future, you can remove the introvert trait by doing a questline, which I absolutely love. I am so in love with that idea, and I do believe this will also uh, happen in Elder Scrolls 6, because as I said, Bethesda games are all similar. So I'll be really surprised if they don't do similar thing for Elder Scrolls 6. So yeah, I'm super excited for that. Another thing that I think is interesting is that in Starfield, they allow you to choose the backstory. When in Fallout 4, that's what really annoyed me as well, is you exactly know what happened with your character. You like you are on a revenge mission. That's all what it's all about. And uh, it's just prevented me from fully role-playing like let's say evil character or you know someone who just wants to go around and build the little village um, you know when you get to build the settlement because I'm in search for my son why would I just go around fetching stuff for people no I want to search for my son that's what they kind of from the beginning of this try to tell me to do but then suddenly they just go like yeah, there's an open world, you can do whatever you want, but this it doesn't work, you know? But with Starfield, you will be able to select where you came from and, uh, you know, your background, what is your story before the game. Even in a small way, it does give that additional, uh, this like, additional kind of layer of to role-playing. For example, the one option that I saw is that you can select that you are a settler on one of the moons and you get a house from like straight away but you get a mortgage that you have to pay that just adds so much to the storytelling of your character and i just absolutely love that if again i'm not sure how good the game will be i have hopes though because from everything they're showing they are really going for that role playing and that's one of the most important things for me in those games it's the role playing creating characters that you like in this big sprawling world so that definitely gives me hope where file 4 really took it away but again those games are not all about the role playing there's also the gameplay and the exploration so i do like to role play a lot and for example i did like the role playing in um, Outer Worlds. I thought it was good. However, Outer Worlds, the problem with that game is that it's just role-playing. The exploration and the gameplay just don't don't work for me because you don't really explore that much. The the planets feel very linear, and it is it is just about you creating the story the way you like it. 
based on your choices, but it's still semi-linear story. That's why I think people play Skyrim to this day, why people play Oblivion today to this day, why people play all the Fallout games is because the openness of the world works alongside the role-playing and uh, you are just not limited by a linear story. You can, if you like, you could, for example, in Skyrim, ignore the, all the dragons. And that's what I did for a very long time. I literally just came out of Helgen and said, screw it, I'm, I never went to Whiterun. Which was weird at first, but it, I just realized how freeing this game is. Like, I've done so much without touching the dragon stuff, which is the, one of the most important thing in this world and that's why we love those games and Elder Scrolls 6 will definitely keep that I am sure of it that they will not uh, remove the exploration and I have to say Fallout 4 exploration was alright it wasn't it wasn't as good I thought as Fallout New Vegas or Fallout 3 I did prefer those worlds however Fallout 4 um, did still deliver on exploration it was definitely not a linear game despite the them trying to add a linear story into it that you care about but it did give you that freedom there was that <clears throat> ludonarrative dissonance whatever you call it where the story then work with the openness of the game but if you want to ignore the story you had that open world where you could do whatever you wanted and Elder Scrolls 6 definitely will keep that based on everything they're doing. And looking at the Starfield especially, they are saying how big that game is going to be. They want to add tons of planets. There's going to be uh, apparently, you know, like over a thousand planets there that you can go and visit. So there will be a lot of exploration. And I'm always into that. And I think if they're having this such a huge scope with Starfield, I feel that Elder Scrolls 6 could see the biggest world we ever seen in Elder Scrolls. Um, maybe not as big as Elder Scrolls Online, but I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't just one of the uh, lands in Tamriel. It's not just Hammerfell or um, just, I don't know, Cyrodiil. It's gonna be potentially whole Tamriel. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the, tr uh, that was the case, but we will need to see. But I'm, I'm sure, based on everything we've seen, even Fallout 76, they're gonna deliver on that. But another thing is the gameplay. So, yes, we have the open world, we have the role-playing, but now the actual gameplay itself. So, Bethesda is not amazing at their gameplay. So their gameplay, you know, the actual mechanics of fighting and everything, are kind of basics, but I think that works. I don't want them to overcomplicate things. And looking at Fallout 4, you know, Fallout 76, you know, they went basically the same mechanics like in Skyrim, even Oblivion. So it is so similar, all of it. Um, one thing I am worried is that I'm playing Oblivion, Elder Scrolls Online, Skyrim all at the same time. You know, not, not you know, not playing them all at once but I switch between them and what happens is the battle layout are different in each game even though it's the same mechanics so one thing I hope is that they kind of keep to the same um, button layout as in Skyrim because I think that works the best but overall um, I think that they have the formula 
down. You know, if someone wants a more precise combat system, there will be mods that will happen to them. But I don't think going too mechanically in-depth, like trying to mimic Dark Souls or something like that, will be a good, good idea. But I think the pattern of Bethesda just delivering the same kind of mechanics uh, in Fallout and 76 and seemingly Starfield looks very similar. I don't believe that they will be uh, doing anything much different. Again, Elder Scrolls Online has different mechanics a little bit, but because it's an MMO, there's skills and stuff like this. So it had to be slightly different. But I do believe that Elder Scrolls Online, no, Elder Scrolls 6, sorry, will have the same mechanics as Skyrim. And I really hoped that's the case, definitely. But one thing that all of those recent games, you know, Fallout 4, 76, Starfield, are really showing is that Bethesda is really going for the kind of the creational aspect. They really want us to build our settlements. They really want us to um, to gather resources. And it's it has been like this since Fallout 4, actually. Fallout 4, they had that the whole set settlement system, which finally made those kind of junk items useful because you can kind of scrap them for like metal and plastic and other stuff and it seems that uh, you know starfield is going with that as well because you actually have more in-depth um more in-depth uh, resource gathering system with something similar to no man's sky and i don't believe they will have such in-depth system in elder scrolls online as it just lore wise wouldn't make sense if you could break down anything but I do feel that we might see much more customization and much more creativity, uh, you know, given to the players in the game itself. I do think that in Elder Scrolls 6, you might even be able to become a Jarl yourself. So instead of becoming just a Thane, you can become a Jarl and build your own town. I would really not be surprised if that's the case, because... Fallout 76, Fallout 4, Starfield, they all have so much kind of building and resource gathering. Again, Starfield, that's what we heard, you know, you have the whole management of the ship where you change it around. And in Fallout 76 also, it's all about the base, one of, or the camp system that they have. Uh, this is one of the main mechanics in the game and the main storyline requires you to build stuff. So, yeah, I really think that we might... S have that kind of option to uh, go re resource gathering and potentially that will add extra layer to um, for the players to roleplay because right now there are mods that give you jobs in Skyrim where you can go and be a miner or farmer if they really go into in depth in the kind of uh, base building you could just do it in game which is going to be brilliant and I'm honestly that sounds amazing to me, especially if the survival mode comes back and you also have uh, have to like take care of you know food and all that stuff. Would basically make make the Skyrim uh, ultimate survival game kind of you know what I mean like a survival sim or like Conan. I really like Conan the uh, Exiles. I played it a lot, and having this kind of those kind of mechanics. Um, like from the survival game where you build up your base, build new uh, new crafting tables and stuff. In in a game like Skyrim, that's brilliant. That's an idea that really resonates with me. 
and I think we might see something like that. I don't know how in depth it's gonna be, because again, it does that kind of I, those kind of mechanics works best in kind of more futuristic games, but I do think it is something we will see, and I can't wait for it. But yeah, let me know what you think because. I might be overhyping this, maybe thinking too much about Elder Scrolls 6. It could be much simpler. It could be completely different from what I'm thinking about at the moment. But I do have my hopes up because Fallout 76 was, I think, a step in the right, right place, gameplay-wise, anyway. Uh, I think they understood what they did wrong with Fallout 4, and Starfield seems to be improvement as well. So I have hopes. They're listening. I think they're also looking towards the mod scene and see what mods are popular, like the fact that we have different backgrounds, it seems that they're kind of taking what the alternative start mod is in Skyrim, you know, when you can start somewhere else rather than in Helgen, it really shows that they are looking at what we like and they are responding to it. So. Yeah, I have high hopes for Elder Scrolls 6, but it's probably going to be years before we see anything. So, we shall see. But, with that, it's time for Skyrim. So, since Elder Scrolls 6 is away, and like it's going to be ages away, probably years and years, we can play Skyrim all we like. And now, I'm going to tell you about my time in Skyrim with my continuation of my Crusader Bard. So a small recap in last episode, I was talking about how I went to Windhelm and found out that Rebellion is not what it cracks up to be. That Ulfric really cares more about Nords than anyone else and he doesn't really care about any other races that occupy Skyrim. When I left Windhelm, I headed south through the snowy forest and mountains to the next recruit for the Downguard, who was Ganemar, warrior who asked me to assist him in with the bear. We enter a spider-infested cave, dark with webs covering the walls and ceilings. For crusade with blessed weaponry, this was walk in the park. After the encounter with the bear, Ganemar decided that he will at least listen to what we have to say and decided to meet me at Fort Downguard, which I was happy about. After that, I decided to go to the abandoned camp to defeat those who have been harassing non-Nords near Windhelm. I did what Ulfric couldn't without too much of a hassle. And then it was time to handle tasks I did not want to handle. Getting the Dwarven or the Dwarven Gyros that the previous recruit for, uh, for Dangard asked me to bring them. The reason why I didn't want to do this because, in my head, the only place where you can get Dwarven stuff was in Marakath, and Marakath, unfortunately, does not like me. But I went there under the cover of night, and went into the old city underground, and got some gyros and cogs and all things I could find Dwarven, and went back to the rec recruit. But then I realized. I was a little wrong. You see, it seems that the Crusader Helm have blocked some of what she was saying, and it seemed it weren't any like gyros um, that I could find. There were very particular ones that she was looking for that were somewhere in the area, stolen by mud crabs, which 
meant that all of my worry about Marakaf was for nothing. <laughs> but I did find those, and then I went straight to Fort Dangar to meet with both of the recruits. There, we found Serena, the vampire who I have saved, who come by asking for help to stop her father from using the Elder Scrolls to enslave the world. Raya, who was my, of course, you know, my companion for so long, uh, went home. I sent her. I sent her home because Serena, the vampire, insisted for me to go with her alone to find the moth priest who could read the Elder Scrolls that she brought with her. And this was apparently the only way to stop her father. So I agreed, and it hurt to team up with a vampire scum. But I had to see where this goes. I had to help Skyrim. So we went searching for the priests and ended up in in Riften. And you know, fighting alongside vampire wasn't the greatest. We were attacked by vampires themselves, and seeing vampire fight a vampire was strange. Every time I brought up down the Dawnbreaker. I felt weird tingles in my hands, wanting to strike Serena. But I had to remind myself, she was an ally now. For time being, anyway. On our search, we go to the real little town called Dragon's Reach. I had to visit an inn for a rest. Sleeping with vampire nearby was not easy. But I managed. We asked around and we have found that Moth Priest was there but has left recently so we followed the road but we found vamp that vampires got him we found dead soldiers and no sign of the moth priest but searching the vampires we found a note which really told us where we need to go and surprise surprise it was a cave filled with vampires Variety is a spice of light, they say, and my life is currently quite favorless. It's just caves and vampires and spiders. But what can you do? We got in the moth priest and, um, of course, saved his life, who then um, agreed to read the ancient prophecy that I quite did not understand. But it turned out that we needed farther scrolls to be able to stop Serena's father and what can you do that's that's what I just had to go with but during all of this one thing I learned Crusaders life is difficult I fight for the gods but they hate me they keep punishing me I do no wrong but they always want me to go on a crusade so I decided this is not a far it's not a fair deal. So I have stripped off the armor of a crusader and went back to the haunted house of Molag Baal to wear the armor of the old gods for now. I still serve the gods and I still will be fighting the undead, the vampires, all that plague. But I'm gonna fight in my own way. And unfortunately, that way 
sometimes means I got to sin. So that is all from this Tales of Skyrim today. I've been playing this game a lot and there's a lot I want to tell you, but that is all for today for Skyrim. Before we go, as always, we're going to do a reading from one of the books from Library of Skyrim. Today reading will be from the Skyrim Library Volume 2, Man, Mer, and the Beast. So, Children of the Sky. Nords consider themselves to be children of the sky. They call Skyrim the throat of the world because it is where the sky exhaled on the land and formed them. They see themselves as eternal outsiders and invaders and even when they concur and rule another people, they feel no kinship with them. The breath and the voice are the vital essence of the North. When they defeat the great enemy, they take their tongues as trophies. They are woven into robes and can hold speech like enchantment. The power of a Nord can be articulated into a shout, like the Kai of an Akavari swordsman. The strongest of the warriors are called Tongues. When the Nords attack a city, they take no siege, engines or cavalry. The Tongues form in a wedge in front of the gatehouse and draw in breath. When the leader lets it out in a Kai, the doors are blown in and they examine rush into the city. Shouts can be used to sharpen blades or to strike enemies, a common effect in the shout that knocks an enemy back or the power of command. A strong nor can instill bravery in men with his battle cry or stop a charging warrior with a roar. The greatest of Nords can call to specific people over hundreds of miles and can move by casting a shout, appearing where it lands. And with that, we end today's podcast. I hope you liked this episode. If you did, remember to follow me everywhere. This podcast is weekly. Maybe in future it will be more than once a week, but we will see. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Arrow in the Knee Podcast. Is it Arrow in the Podcast? It's something like that. Just search for me, you will find it. We're also on Twitch, where I stream um, usually weekly. So follow me there as well. And I will see you next time. See you later.